Live. Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. Our host, Mike Phillips. Got a good show for you this week. One or two this week. The Yankees, obviously, have moved on to the ALCS. They're taking on the Houston Astros starting tonight. Games one and two in Houston tonight and Thursday night. Then games three to seven starting on Saturday going through Tuesday. And we joined by Dan Federico, our Yankee guy here on the podcast. We're going to recap the DS, preview the CS, talk about all the stuff with the Yankees coming up in just a bit. Make sure you're locked into the end of the show. It's a two-minute drill. We're going to do the NFL picks later in the week. We're going to talk about the state of New York football being back. We're going to talk about the Jets, Giants, big wins. What can we look for with these teams coming forward? That's kind of the end of the show. Like I said, NFL picks, second half of the week coming out on Football Friday. But we're going to have a special NBA edition of Show Me the Money. We're going to do some NBA overruns with Nick Friday. We're going to talk about all that with Nick in just a bit. Make sure you subscribe to the Justin Suffering Podcast if you like what you hear. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms. Find all the shows there. Feel free to your feedback and start as well. And with the podcast, even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of the conversations with Dan and Nick are on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip. And we're going to talk all about what we missed in games two to five and what happened there. We'll catch you up on all that coming up here right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. <laughs> All right, opening tip time here. Talking New York Yankees baseball here. And Yankees guard is the only division series to go the distance. It was quite eventful. Let's catch up from where we were in our last podcast where we just had game one. Game two just got rained out. Game two, Stanton got the early homer. Yankee bats are quiet for the rest of the game. Curious ball manager from Aaron, who was a theme in this series. He went to Jason Tyon, the 10th inning of a 2-2 game. First ever relief appearance. He got dinked and dunked to death for two runs. Bottom line, this one, Yankees need more out of the bats. You go 0 for 7 runs, scores, you leave 11 men on base. That's going to kill you in any game, especially a playoff game. Game three, this looks like it should have been an easy Yankee win. They get homers from Harrison Bader, Aaron Judge, as well as Cabrera. Bullpen burned the Yankees again, though. Luis Severino was tr- in trouble early. He had a 5 and 2 thirds innings, 3 run ball, which is solid. Aaron Boone gets one out from Luchavino on the 7th, two outs from Eliza in, in there as well. Leading Wandy Peralta, who clearly is the most trusted guy in that bullpen right now, to get seven outs. He gets through the seventh and the eighth fine. Gets dinked and dunked in the ninth. They bring Clark Schmidt. And Clark Schmidt gets a go-ahead run to the ninth. Lose the game. Clay Holmes is deemed unavailable, which, again, makes no sense because he's coming off of the shoulder issues. Aaron Boone, after the game, said that he was only available in emergency, which makes no sense because this is a playoff game. If you can't pitch back-to-back, you should not be on the roster. And even if that is the case for whatever stupid reason, it makes no sense not to push Loisig and Lutravino if you knew that going in. You chose not to do that at cost in the game. That put the Yankees in game four in a situation where they really needed Garrett Cole to shove and just be the guy and dominate. And he did that. He went seven innings, allowed his two runs, struck out eight. The Yankees had the early 3 0 lead, RBI single from Anthony Rizzo in the first. Another two and a half for Harrison Bader. And by the way, he's coming out cold here for the Yankees, Harrison Bader. If you look at what he's done here, I mean, three homers in the playoff games, that's going to be pretty dope for check that out here if you're a Yankee fan, especially after all the hubbub of the Montgomery trade. Bayer's paying it off in spades. And I also want to call out uh, Josh Naylor in this game. He hits the home run off of Cole in the fourth inning, and he's going around the bases, rocking the baby, cursing out Cole. You're down a run in the fourth inning, dude. Chill. You look like an idiot doing that. And it's exactly what happened. You got a better bullpen night at Aaron Boone. He went to Clay Holmes in the eighth, got the job done while they crawled to the ninth. And he efficiently got it done, sent him back to New York with Louisiana and Trevino available for game five. 
Game five was delayed again because they had another rain out. And this was another fiasco by the league. I mean, we heard all day the forecast is terrible at night. They announce at 6.40 the Yankees that the game is going to be delayed. We'll provide updates. No further updates. They keep the fans sitting there for two and a half hours where they bang the game and push it to 4 o'clock the next day. And you're sitting here going, what the hell happened here? You had people sitting in that stadium for two and a half hours, getting rained on, no updates. And then you have, of course, the brilliant NLB policy that would not offer refunds or credits for reschedule postseason games. So a lot of the disaster there. But this benefited the Yankees here because they got Nestor Cortez on three days rest. If this game was played on Monday night, they would have to go to Jason Tyone. Instead, they get Cortez. The Guardians could have done this as well. They could have gone to Shane Bieber, but Terry Francona decided not to do that for some reason. He went to Aaron Savali for game five, and he immediately put them in a hole. He walks the first guy, strikes at Aaron Judge, walks another guy, three-run bomb to stand, three-run bomb early, three-nothing Yankees, huge early cushion. Only real jeopardy in this game was the third inning when Cleveland loves the bases, one out. Jose Ramirez coming up. And Oscar Gonzalez, who has been a postseason killer. Ramirez gets a sack fly. Gonzalez flies out. They only get one run. When that happens, when the Yankees got that with one run, you kind of know it's over. It basically was. Yankees cruise through here. They get to the American League Championship Series. Now they have a tough challenge against the Houston Astros, who have been well-rested. They won game three on Saturday and sitting around. Yankees basically are playing now three days in a row, and they do not have, basically, you know, arrested bullpen, the rotates out of flux. But can they find a way to pull this off here and get to the World Series where they will have home field against the NL side, wherever it is? We'll talk about all that with Dan Federico right after this. All right, we are back here after a... Dramatic uh, five-game ALDS win for the Yankees as they get move on in the postseason, take on the Houston Astros ALCS starting tonight. Joining me today to break it all down here, uh, one of the most prominent voices on Yankee Twitter, good friend of the podcast, Dan Federico is back. Dan, how are you? Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for hopping on. I mean, you were at game five earlier today. So, I mean, how exciting was it to be there and see all this play out? Of course, man, no problem. Uh, game five, it was... You know, I, I love, you know, regular season games, big moments are, are awesome in Yankee Stadium. Don't get me wrong, but just nothing beats the playoffs, especially a game five where it's all on the line. Could be the last game of the season. So um, even for a 4 p.m. start, I'd say by the second or third inning, the place was completely packed. Um, fans were on their feet all game. It, it was really a great atmosphere, and I feel like they helped the Yankees a lot. As the lead did here. I mean, one thing I sort of take away from this game five scenario here especially is, A, we have to kind of discuss what happened last night here. I mean, the that was complete mess how this was handled yesterday. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've been to that. Yesterday was my third rain out this year uh, that I've been to for Yankee games. And um, I, I am pretty critical of the Yankees. I never was in the past until I saw it in person this year. But I know last night had a lot to do with MLB itself. So um, there were a lot of moving parts, a lot more than usual. But, I mean, listen, you're there. Um, people, I, I heard friends of mine that were there at 5 p.m ready to go and, and stayed there till 10. There were no updates from when they said the game would be delayed up until they announced the game was canceled. Um, and a lot of angry people leaving. I mean, I was there. It was it was bad news, but um, it seemed like everybody took that anger and upsetness and, and kind of took it out today on the on the Guardians. So ended up working down their favor anyway. Yeah, absolutely did here. I mean, the thing that helped out the Yankees especially was the fact that they could actually go to Nestor Cortez in this game and he gave them five good innings. The thing I didn't understand when going this is like, like – Cleveland Guardians had Shane Bieber theoretically available on three days, and Terry Francona chose not to do that. Instead, going back to Aaron Savali, I hadn't pitched the postseason. He comes in, he gives up a three-run homer immediately, puts him in a giant hole. And then that's something to me I just can't understand. Because like I get that you know guys don't usually do three days rest, but to me it's like feels like a waste to have a guy as good as Bieber just sitting there and not being used. And you end up going home. Yeah, I mean it, it could end up being something like the uh, the Buck Showalter. And um, Zach Britton thing, where how could you not use your best pitcher in a situation where you need him now? Listen, I, I, I you could kind of understand maybe where they're coming from. I'm not going to completely criticize uh, the Guardians for their decision making, but um, yeah, it's it, it, this is the last game of the season. Uh, that's how you have to look at it going into it. You have to use everybody that's available. And I thought maybe 
um, once, even when the Yankees uh, went up three nothing early, I thought maybe they'd pull in Bieber just to try and settle things down. Um, but yeah, they just they stayed away from it. It was very interesting, um, and you know that could be a big reason why the Guardians are not in the ALCS now because Bieber is one of the uh, top pitchers, whether he's on or not. He, he's arguably one of the top pitchers in the American League, so it's definitely an interesting decision for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Here, and I think the big takeaway from this series, as well, in my opinion, is that. Garrett Cole, you can never, you can no longer question him as being a big postseason guy for the Yankees because he gave them two huge stars in the series. They especially game one set the tone. Game four, they're down two one, gives them seven brilliant innings here. I mean, what do you think about what Garrett Cole did here? I mean, listen, this is why uh, he got paid and he showed out finally. I mean, he's had some. He, he's been, you know, he's had some very good showings in the playoffs. Um, obviously, then you look back to the Red Sox showing was not <laughs> what you paid for. So going into this year, it was kind of like, it's time to, you know, put up or shut up and definitely put up uh, pitch like an ace both games. And you couldn't have asked for more. And, you know, dep- no matter the outcome that happened today, um, Cole was somebody who you could say, um, at least up until this year, is now worth the money, what he did, uh, putting the team on his back and really giving it his all. And it's going to be very interesting now to see how he battles against Astros, where he looks like he's going to be pitching game three. Yeah, game three, potentially available for a short rest on game seven. So talk about that in a bit here. I also want to talk a little bit about the bullpen manager, Aaron Boone, because that's a big question we had going into the playoffs. Is like, how many guys do you trust in this bullpen? Listen, the answer is about four, where it's uh, Loisaga, Lou Trevino, Wandy Toronto pitches every day now and Clay Holmes. And I feel like obviously those four got big outs, but I feel like the way Boone handled that bullpen was very questionable, especially the whole Clay Holmes not available in game three fiasco, which sort of let, which it clearly I feel like led to the loss at the end. Yeah. I mean, um, and it seemed like there was a disconnect, not only um, with, with Boone making decisions, but obviously in the clubhouse with the comments that um, both Holmes and Luis Severino came out with after that game. Um, so it was very interesting what he was doing. Um, it seems like there's a disconnect, whether that's with the front office uh, using Boone as the scapegoat to kind of make these decisions or Boone himself. I mean, there's definitely something interesting going on, but um, fortunately for the rain delay, the Yankees were saved. So um, because if he went into, uh, if the Yankees ended up playing yesterday, it seemed like, you, you know, you would think no matter what they'd have to use him, but um, it would have went back on Boone's word, what, 24 hours before that. So it was, it would have been definitely interesting. I was kind of, you know, in, in a way wanted to kind of see how that would have worked out, but they had the extra day and they were able to get him in today. Now, Tomorrow, a whole different day. I don't know if they're going to use game one. Like Boone said earlier, uh, Holmes was only uh, ready in case of emergency. And I feel like at this time of year, every game is the emergency. <laughs> so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they do this. Um, so tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be interesting, man. There's a lot of questions. Obviously, the Yankees flying in now. Um, obviously, a new roster is going to be made. Seems like there's going to be some new names there. So, yeah, it's going to be very telling. But. Back to the bullpen. I mean, yeah, Boone's been interesting, but, you know, fortunately for the Yankees, especially today, he pressed all the right buttons. Yeah, it's also interesting here considering like, what the situation was with the shortstop scenario here because IKF had some big er- like big errors, big defensive mistakes, like in game three, gets benched for four. It starts on the bench for five, they're having to go in because Aaron Hicks gets hurt here. I mean, like, do you think, like, maybe this could consider, like, the special spot, maybe you bring Oswald Peraza onto the playoff roster, especially if Hicks is not available for this next series? You know, a part of me, would love to see that, and um, it's something that I think would be beneficial. I mean, I think the Yankees, once they called up Peraza in August, he should have just been playing every day, um, and I give him a sink or swim, see what you got. I mean, you see so many teams around the league, whether it's uh, the Guardians today or the Braves, where they, they just throw in a rookie and kind of see what they have and give them a chance. I, I thought this summer towards the end in August, like I said, was, was the perfect time uh, to showcase Braz, especially when they're struggling. You know, you get somebody young in there and uh, try and bring some life to the team. Um, so with that being said, I, I just can't see it. I, I don't think they're going to give him the chance. Um, it, it seems pretty clear where they stand, at least this year on Peraza and it was something where okay listen he had a great uh, season in the minors and we'll give him a look but he's not going to get any extended playing time. Um, I the bench is still going to be interesting, like you said, with with Hicks now out. And I saw the announcement that he's out for the remainder of the playoffs. So uh, there's going to be moves to be made. But unfortunately, I don't see it being Carrazzo. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Boone said an hour ago, too, that Andrew Benintendi is not going to be on the ALCS roster. He doesn't anticipate that being here. That would be a good fix that happened. And now it looks like you're back to the point where I think Carrera has to go back to left field. Because I don't think they trust Matt Carpenter out there yet. 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy when you think about it because if there's one type of player this team needs, it's it's a prime Andrew Benintendi or an on Andrew Benintendi, um, just playing a great left field, getting on base, um, you know, playing in Yankee Stadium, left-handed hitter, you could always uh, reach that short porch. So I feel like he's somebody who would just be the perfect fit. And unfortunately, he's still not healthy, and and, and it's a shit oh, – excuse me. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a crappy situation uh, for the Yankees and for Benintendi. But, you know, like you said, I, I could definitely see um, the, the move of Cabrera back to left and put IKF at shortstop. But, you know, there's other moves that can be made. I don't foresee a DJ LeMahieu, but at least right now, I, I think that's possible where you can maybe work him into the lineup. Um, then, you know, the, the infield defense would be weakened because maybe you'd, you'd shift Glaber to short or, you know, there's got to be some, some corresponding moves that they have to figure out with that. Um, but that could be an option. Also, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they try and sneak John Carlos Stanton in left field and, and have Matt Carpenter DH. Um, we've seen him a couple times um, just for pinching appearances, but he's on the roster. I mean, uh, he's a great player, and especially for this team, he did so much this year, but I feel like he is a little bit of a, a wasted roster spot just because if you're only going to use him as a pinch hitter, what, what value does that really bring, right? So I could see them. Uh, utilizing Stanton more in left field, but it's definitely going to be interesting uh, tomorrow. And, and it's crazy that's only tw- less than 24 hours away. So we're going to get some answers really soon. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like in terms of the scheduling situation itself, I feel like no team, like, they got screwed more in this round than the Yankees did with the whole lockout compressed schedule where they decided to split the games, get one and two to try and make sure they had TV games on Thursday. They get the rain out, they get the second rain out. Both of us wouldn't avoid if you did the traditional schedule here. I mean, how much does this hurt the Yankees right now in terms of like, not having the off day and I'm basically go straight to Houston for game one tomorrow playing for like three out of four. Houston sitting on the couch on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it, it was a crappy situation, the circumstances around uh, the weather and, and things they were out of their control. But at the same time, I, I'm always a believer in, I, I always lean towards the team that's still playing instead of the team that gets the long layoff because just because that team is still rolling, they're coming off a high of winning uh, playoffs today, uh, the first round. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting in that regard, but, I mean, turning it around in, in what, uh, like I said, less than 24 hours, they're probably going to get there after midnight. It's definitely going to be interesting. But, um, you know, the Yankees are going to be ready to go. They're, they're a battle-tested team. A lot of these this roster has been with this uh, team for a while, so um, they know what they're getting into, and uh, it's going to be very interesting. But uh, the turnaround is definitely quick, and the scheduling was definitely questionable in the ALDS. Absolutely was here, and let's get to some of the keys here against the Astros here, starting with this rotation, because obviously now we have another scheduling situation where there's no off second travel day between games five and six if necessary, so right now it's like it's one, two, and then there's an off day, and they play uh, three to seven in a row here, and right now it looks like it's lined up Jason Tyone game one, Severino game two, like, I think this mad impacts the rotation here with the rest of the way about that second off day. Yeah, I think... Um... It, it, again, with these off days, it's, it's very interesting to see how they're going to do it. But obviously, Tyone is going to get the ball day one. Um, I, he, he has to at this point uh, simply because of how things fell. But, um, you know, after Sevy and Cole, I think we're going to get Nestor game four. And then they're kind of going to try their best. I, again, I know you said the off days. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I could see them trying to possibly go back to a three-man rotation. But it's good that they have Tyone at least working. So he, he's ready to go if needed. And even if it's to give you three, four innings, you can kind of piece the rest together uh, with the bullpen. But um, kudos to the starting pitching. I mean, listen, uh, the, the, the both outside of Cole, obviously, like we mentioned, but Severino pitched pretty well. Nestor pitched brilliant today. Um, I think they could have got another inning, even maybe two out of him uh, today. So um, they're really riding a, a good wave heading into this ALCS. And it's one of those things where um, for the first time in a while, the starting pitching is something I'm not worried about uh, as we advance into the playoffs. Yeah, the thing I worry about more with them is more the bullpen concerning how thin they are and having only one off day in this series. I mean, Wanda Peralta needs the rubber arm, wants to go every day, but like when you only really have four guys you can trust in there, it's very hard to try and do a match series that little off time. Yeah, and you know what? The, the fortunate thing for the Yankees, it looks like they're getting Rob Mar- could be getting Rob Marinaccio back and possibly Frankie Montas, who um, I would say at this point I, I can't imagine him uh, getting into a starting role. But giving them a couple innings out of the out of the bullpen could be beneficial, especially if you're seeing uh, somebody like Tyone or even Cortez who's on a short leash and they go you know three innings and then you need somebody to pick up the bulk. So um, that could be an interesting add. Um, but those two guys, well, especially Rob Marinaccio, he was trusted. 
all season long when he was healthy. Um, so he would be a definite uh, big pickup for the bullpen. And, you know, Montez could hopefully help out. And and that'll add something which, you know, adds to the four that you mentioned that, that have been used pretty hard uh, over the ALDS. Absolutely here. And we talked about, well, we've danced around this a little bit in terms of like potential roster changes. It sounds like the guys that really are on the mix here is basically Marinaccio, DJ LeMayhew, and uh, Frankie Montas. So it doesn't seem like that we're, Hicks is definitely going to be off the roster. We're not going to get Benintendi back here. Like, what do you think about what they could do here, sort of tweak things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think adding um, Marinaccio is something that um, w- would be interesting, and, and I, I could totally see it just because, like I said before, he, he's been trusted all season long, and uh, he's somebody who the Yankees have relied on. So I could see him getting a spot. Um, and then, you know, the DJ thing is interesting because he's been on record saying that, you know, he, he's having issues, and it's with hitting, not with, with playing defense. So, um Listen, the Yankees uh, didn't have the best offensive showing, but they have enough players, especially if you have somebody like a Bader or a Trevino who could kind of step up at the bottom of the lineup uh, and Ozzie Cabrera, things like that. So um, I feel like the way they configured things out now, uh, it seems like uh, there's a little more length at the top. Um, so I, I think they're going in well. I think the only major change could be that DJ. Like I said, I don't see as Oswald. Peraza as much as I would like to. I just don't imagine that happening. Um, and yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure unless it's a Stanton to left field, um, Carpenter to DH, Ozzy Cabrera to shortstop move, I think we'll have, you know, the same lineup where we'll probably see IKF back at shortstop and Ozzy in left field. Yeah, the interesting thing with DJ is, I mean, obviously, like he's been battling the toe issue for a long time and he obviously didn't make the roster because he was not very effective when he was there. It's like, I mean, even if he is there, I mean, can you really count him to be in the lineup for these games right now, basically coming in cold and having not done much for the second half of the year? Yeah, exactly. That's another problem. He, It's not only like he just happened to go out with an injury. He was struggling mightily, and, and it just seemed like he couldn't get anything going with that foot. Um, so I, I'm personally not expecting much. Even if he's added to the roster, I think maybe he would be there as a, as a defensive replacement, like if like break in class in case of emergency type guy. Um, uh, which is unfortunate for the Yankees because since he came to New York, he's been, you know, one of the most steady, productive players um, over that span. So um, the Yankees could definitely use him, again, to lengthen that lineup. But uh, I'm not personally expecting much from him. As of the year, and obviously they're dealing with the cards, the big bullies, the Astros, who have beat beat them five out of seven, knocked out of the playoffs a couple times the last few years here. Like, what do you think needs to happen for them to do well in this series? It's it's interesting. Um, it's it's going to be tough because you know the Astros at this point, um, they're past the cheating scandal and they're still winning. Uh, so so it's hard because um, they're they're still a very good team. Uh, whether fans like it or not, they're definitely uh someone not to rely on, as evidenced by you know them being the number one seed. So um, it, it's going to be a big problem for the Yankees. They have a lot of big bats. Their pitching always steps up. They just they're good all over the place, and there's no, especially at this point, it's it's not going to be easy for the Yankees, no matter who they're facing. I mean, you're down to the final two teams um, in the division, so um, it's just one of those things where they're also battle-tested. They have a lot of guys on the roster that have won a lot of big games. They have young talent. They have depth. Um, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be another classic, um, you know, six, possibly seven-game series between these sides. Which way it's going to go, I don't know, because it's going to be – it's interesting. I mean, again, I, I keep harping on it, but it's just amazing how right after they went through their whole cheating scandal, they were still able to step up and just become exactly what they were while they were cheating, you know? So uh, so it's going to be interesting, and I, I, I can't give a prediction, but I just know it's going to be a long series, and a lot of fans are going to be excited because this is a matchup everybody's been waiting for. Yes, especially because I think tomorrow is going to be tough because, I mean, tonight's going to be tough. We're recording on Tuesdays. It'll be out on, it's supposed to be out on Wednesday here. I mean, Verlander's line for game one is not going to be fun. The Astros have so many guys they can throw in this rotation here. It's like they really could go a full five in rotation they want to. They have the, the depth to do that, which is very challenging for the Yankees to sort of c- c- compete with. Yeah, they have depth. I mean, pitching, like you said, of course, um, in their lineup to bullpen, they, they, they've got people everywhere. And again, it's not just talented. They're battle-tested. They're playoff uh, people that have played, experienced big games. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot for the Yankees. I mean, the offense needs to definitely um, rely less on their power, and that's gonna be tough anyway because that's something that the Astros could counteract easily with their starting pitching. Um, so yeah, they they got to be at their best 
their best brand of baseball, and it's coming at the right time because when better time than to get to the World Series? Yeah, it's also fun to look at some of these game times because I was looking to see because obviously the series overlaps so much because only one off day in each, ser- each series in games two and three. And looking at some of these game times, especially the Yankee games at home, I mean, you got 5 o'clock on Saturday night. That's going to be the, fir- the first home game here. Sunday is, is the 7 o'clock game. Monday, 4 o'clock at the stadium. It's going to be interesting. Wow. Yeah, I, I the, the scheduling is definitely interesting. I mean, listen, 4 o'clock today w- was really cool, but um, at the same time, it was due to circumstances. Like, I don't think it's something I'd want to do um, consistently. But, um, yeah, it's the, the game times are kind of all over the place. kind of goes back to the scheduling thing. It's, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those things where a lot of games on top of each other, a lot of, you know, random times. And it's just that time of year where everybody's – they got the collective mindset where they, they got their eyes on the prize. They know what they're doing. So um, I don't think it will phase anybody, but it is definitely interesting hearing, like, all these different times. And just not used to it. You know, you're used to prime time playoff games and it seems like that's not happening with the ALCS. No, especially I mean, I think it's also part of the factors that they're on TBS, not Fox, because I think if Fox had it, it would be getting the 8 o'clock slot every single night, regardless of the fact that the Padres are in this thing. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely, Dan. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll be follow you on social media keep up with some of the stuff you're up to. Of course, man. You guys always just follow me at Dan J. Federico on Twitter. I'm always active, tweeting about the Yankees and other stuff and, and hopefully some writing stuff coming along the way. So just stay tuned to Twitter for all uh, for all the updates. That's where I'm at now. Absolutely, Dan. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Of course, Mike. Pleasure as always. Thank you, brother. Show me the money. All right, show me the money for the first time in NBA edition of the show me the money. Here we're going to do some NBA over unders at the season set to start this week. Joining me today to do that, uh, one of my uh, big uh, co-hosts on the Sky Guys podcast, big NBA guy, Nick Fred is here. Nick, how are you? Doing well. Uh, never talked to NBA with you before, so excited to do so. Yeah, I got to say, like, this is going to be part of NBA week here on the podcast. We're going to do an NBA preview episode later in the week. So I think this is sort of the uh, setup set here. I got to say, it's been a very fun offseason. There's a lot of player movement. Yeah, it seems like every year there is in the NBA. I guess just the way that the CBA is structured, but there's a lot of movement. So this year, no exception. Yeah, I mean, whether it was the Jazz blowing up and Gobert going to Minnesota and uh, Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland, the Jalen Brunson stuff, there was a lot of play- big big names on the move. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's been some under-the-radar trades, too, that could have some, uh, you know, some important important stuff going on for the future, like, you know, little things that we don't even notice that could be a big deal, so we'll see. Yeah, but you got that. You got the whole drama with... Uh, Email Doka getting suspended for the year for the affair with the female employee, the Celtics. Like it's it's wild the NBA had a cycle. I, I never, cannot remember like even like fifteen years ago the new cycle didn't go as long as it does now for the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for the season. The NBA is in a good place. It's uh a lot of good parody in the league where I really don't feel like we're there's a a team or two that I'm that are guaranteed to win where it was that way for a good seven years, probably and the league is I think much better off for it. Now we have a lot of teams that can compete and I guess that's why we're doing this because there's a lot of, there could be a lot of teams that do well. Yeah. Over the past years, I've done NFL overrunners, usually with Joe D'Aloisio, MLB under overruns. I've done with your brothers in annual edition. First time you suggested NBA overruns. We're going to do two overs, two unders, and a season-long win total. This is your idea here, so I'm glad you brought this up because I think it's a good addition to the uh, podcast cycle here. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. I've never done this before. I've never done win totals before in the NBA. I've done them in baseball, and I've done them in the NFL, but I've never done them in the NBA before, and I'm excited to get into that. All right, let's get it all started here. Since you are the guest, I'll give you the choice. you like to have the first pick or the second and third pick, so we're going to do a snake out of that. I'll take second and third. You can go ahead. All right, I'm going to take this one here, and I think this is, I love it off the top of my head here. The Denver Nuggets over 49.5 wins. I mean, you look at this team last year. They won 48 games without Jamal Murray the entire season, with with, uh, Nikola Jokic being an MVP caliber player the entire season. Now you get Murray back. You should have Michael Porter Jr. back, and I don't think the West has gotten that much better. I think getting two more wins of the Nuggets is is a solid play with with, uh, Murray back. I think the over on the Nuggets. I, I love it. I love your your choice there. Uh, if I had three overs, that was definitely my third one. 
Uh, I love it for all the reasons you said. They also brought in um, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, is a good shooter. I think that's a really, really good team in Denver, and as long as those guys can stay healthy, I think they're going to be a top three seed in the West. Absolutely. Here You are up now. You have all your options available to you. Where are you going to go for your first one? Do I have to give you my two overs first? You can do it any order you like. Okay, so first I'm going to give you an over. Okay. I want the Milwaukee Bucks with the over. The Bucks are sitting at 52 and a half. It's the second highest win total in the league, but I think this is the most hungry team in the NBA. First off, I think they're one of the best teams in the NBA. I mean, they're only a year removed from a championship, but this is the hungriest team in the league. The way they were eliminated from the playoffs last year, they were kind of embarrassed. They were kind of set down at peg where it's been so many years of disappointment and they finally won and then went right back to the disappointment. I think they are hungry and they are not going to like, they're going to be a ruthless team. I take a look at it, take a look at some other teams like, Maybe not this year. I also don't want to give you good ideas for an under, but <laughs> with the Heat had LeBron James, like a lot of the teams would be like, you know, we don't have to try. We know we'll make the playoffs anyway. What's the difference if we're the two seed or the one seed? You know, they kind of pack it in, rest their starters. The Bucks seem like a team that are not going to do that. They want to play basketball. They want to win. They're pissed off about how last season ended, and I think, I think they're going to be the NBA's equivalent of the President's Trophy this year in the NBA in the league. You see, you think it's as close to like a 55, 56, 57 win team. I do. I yeah. do. I do. I think they could even win 60 games. I think they're going to, they're going to, I think when other teams are not trying in April and in, you know, the dog days of January, they're going to be putting their guys out there every night with the intent of this is, this is our year. Yeah. And you look at what happened to them last year, too. I mean, in the playoffs, they all the injuries. I mean, Chris Middleton going down. I think if he's healthy, they end up, I think they end up winning that series. And the end, not to mention, I believe, could be wrong with this. I believe they are the the most the word I'm looking for is the least turnover in the league of any team this year. They're bringing back the same team. Yeah, a lot of continuity. Yeah, a lot of continuity on the Bucks. They're bringing back the same team, and I think it's going to pay dividends. All right, so you have one more pick here. You have both your unders and another overs. What do you want to do? I'll do an under here, and I'm going to take my own Los Angeles Lakers as an under. I see it at 45 and a half. You agree with that? Yep, I had that. Okay, so the reason why is I think if this team is healthy, they win more games than that. But I just don't believe they're going to be healthy. I mean, Anthony Davis already almost got hurt last night. I do not see this team staying healthy. I think Davis misses at least 25 games. I think LeBron misses at least 25 games. And then when your fourth best player is Juan Toscano and Anderson, if these guys are missing, if, if Davis doesn't play, they're going to be horrible. Yeah. So I, I just I can't trust them to stay healthy. If they do stay healthy somehow, I think the Lakers could win over 50 games. I think they could be a mid-seed in the West. And who knows when you're in the playoffs when you have that much talent with LeBron and Davis. But I don't think they'll stay healthy. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, if you did not take the Lakers, I was going to take the Lakers because this is a team like we saw last year. This all falls apart if LeBron or AD are not on the floor. And the Russell Westbrook situation is still being unresolved. It's a problem for them too because, I mean, they had a big deal about trying to move him. They couldn't get a deal done. Now they're talking about, oh, like, can you come off the bench in the second year? I don't think he's going to take that very well. There's a lot of issues with that team. Yeah, I, I still see reports coming out because, obviously, I am a Laker fan. I see a lot of the reports on Reddit and whatnot that it is still possible they get a deal done with him for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. But it's going to require them to throw in a couple of first-round picks. Is it worth it to throw in a couple of first-round picks for those two guys? I mean, I don't know. It's, that's a matter of like LeBron saying, like, I want to win right now. I need those two guys to do it. So I could see that. Right. Happening. So we'll see. But if they don't make that deal and they have that current team they have right now, if Davis or LeBron or both gets hurt, they're not winning 45 games. No way. Yeah. This is also goes back to be, back to being LeBron's fault because they had the deal for Buddy Heald when he was on the Pelican. When he was on the Kings originally. They decided, nope, nope. Russell wanted Westbrooks. I mean, LeBron wanted Westbrooks. That's what you got. Yeah. It blows my mind. I would have thought that. When they, when they got Westbrook, my, my initial thought process was, okay, they must know something we don't. There's no way us sitting in our living rooms and basements watching these games know more than Palenka. And, uh, we do, and it's crazy. Yeah, that's, that is pretty bad. So I'll, I'll go up now. I'm going to take an under here, and I'm going to take a – my logic here is going to be, I think, again, with you, your point with the health and I think the load management here, I'm taking Brooklyn under 50 and a half wins. Cause I think looking at this Nets team, like KD has had issues with his, with his health the last few years. 
Kyrie, obviously, he's at the vaccine and date lifting now. He's able to play, but even when he does play, he's always hurt. Ben Simmons, you haven't seen on the floor in a year and a half. I don't know how the fit's going to work very well there. It takes a while to get growing, I feel like. I think this is a high 40s team. I feel like there's going to be a lot of games where, you know, they're going to say, you know, as long as not in the play-in, we don't care where we are in the season. We just want to get to the playoffs and get hot then. I feel like this the 15 and a half, I think, is too high. I, I like that pick, too. Completely agree. Uh, I don't know if you knew. In the last, I think it's five or six years. I'm not sure which one. Teams with a 50 or over, over, under, are the, if you bet the over, you're 16 and 31 in doing so. Yeah. So teams that are over 50 typically don't do it. And it's funny, the Nets seem like a team to me that I would love a bet on them futures to win the championship, but I don't love the future of them winning more than 50 games. Yeah, because I feel like with them, it's also very simple. It's like with when you have a guy with Durant's injury history, with Kyrie's injury history, obviously Simmons, you don't know how the fit works on these role players here. Like there's gonna be about a month or two of them trying to make it all work. You're gonna get you're not gonna see Durant on back to backs, you're not gonna see Irving on all the back to backs, you're gonna see Simmons like Miss some time. Like, I just don't see the math add up to the win total. Like, it's, I agree with you, though, that the future makes much more sense to win the title than to win, get hit the over. Yeah, I could see them winning 45 games, but I could also see them winning the championship. Yeah, I think of them as they feel like, again, like, as long as not in the play, and that's all they care about. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A lot of teams fall under that same scope here. Absolutely here. Where are you going now for your next pick? You have one over and one under left. So for my next over, and I might be jumping the gun here, and I am aware of that, but I'm going over on the Detroit Pistons at 29 and a half. I think the Pistons are a team that's ready to move on to the next step. I, again, I could be a year early on this, but you have some of these teams in the Eastern Conference that are higher than them. For example, Chicago, the Hornets, even possibly the Knicks. I think the Pistons could compete with any of these teams and possibly finish better than them. I think the Pistons are a borderline playoff team, and 29 and a half is too low. I think that's a good value play there because like, I love getting like the low total like, when you have a young, talented team and see if they can just top it because you're not asking them for a lot. Like they win 33 games, you're in the clear. Yeah, I, I and mean, we'll see. I could be jumping the guy. I could be one year ahead. They could win 25 games this year and then next year win 40, but we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely a fun pick. You got to hope it's not turning out the Detroit Tigers who are a popular overpick in baseball this year and then they yep. completely flopped. Yeah, it could be something in the Detroit air. Yeah. Absolutely here. I still have one over, one under to go here. I'm going to follow the the uh, lead of uh, Kevin Walsh from Sports. He was out here last week. I would take the Nick over at 38 and a half because I think I think the chemistry in the locker is about better here. I think Jalen Brunson does a fill a big hole for them as the point guard and being a pure distributor here. I think RJ Barrett is going to be forward here. I like Isaiah Hartenstein as a stretch big as a backup to. Uh, uh, Mitchell Robinson, because I feel like they had a lot of issues with that and on the New Orleans Noel, did not fit that role very well. I do think a little a year, I think, uh, away from all the chaos, I feel like that this is going to be sort of a team that flows better, because there's less pressure on them in terms of expectations wise. And, you know, I think it's about, I think it's about a 500 basketball thing. I get a couple of win wiggle room here to take the over in the Knicks. I agree. I think two years ago, the Knicks finished 41 and 31, and they were. That was best case scenario. Yeah. Last year they finished thirty-seven and forty-five, and I feel like everything had to go wrong for that. I think this was this year falls somewhat in the middle. And look, they won thirty-seven games last year, and they—I don't think it's anyone would argue that they're better this year than they are last year, right? Yeah, the argument against the Knicks would be that the conference as a whole was better. I mean, you probably get harder for them to hit the total. True, but I think the Knicks are a better team. They were—I think everything went wrong last year for them to only win thirty-seven. So I think thirty-eight. Or excuse me, thirty-nine wins because it'd be thirty-eight and a half. Anything, anything above that is is a gimme. I, I'm with you. All right, last one for you here. You have one more under. What are you doing with it? So the under I'm going to go with is a team last year that started off extremely hot, and then as the season went on, people realized, oh wait, they're not that good, and that continued into the playoffs. But this team just didn't work. And for me, that is the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls last season ended up after being so good as the sixth seed and lost in the first round in five. And I see them going down, 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 down. I don't think the Bulls are even going to be in the play-in tournament this year. And if they are, maybe the 10 seed. I think the Bulls are way down. Lonzo Ball's injury is not going to help. I don't trust them bringing in guys like Andre Drummond and Gordon Dragic at this point in their careers. I don't think that helps. I think the Bulls are a team to really fade in this season. Yeah, as soon as you started saying, I started typing down Bulls. I had the Bulls on my list, potential pick too, because I see the same things you're seeing here, whether it's, you know, 
They started out so hot. Lonzo got hurt. They're not the same team after that. DeMar DeRozan played out of his mind for most of the season. You don't know yeah. if you can repeat that as well. Didn't even mention that. Yeah, and, and again, the strength of the East. I feel like this is a, this is a total thing that's going to hurt the Bulls here. I feel like this could be, you know, like they win 40 games and they have a hard year, and, like, you still win the bet that way. Right. You're looking at DeMar DeRozan had a career year at 32. That's very uncommon in this league. It really is. I and do like, not expect to, I do not expect him to do that again. I think he had a chip on his shoulder when he left when he left the Spurs that it was like I got to prove the world wrong, and he did. Credit to him, but can't see it happening again. And you look at the way they had it here. I mean, the issue I saw also was uh with Zach Levine like getting the big contract. They didn't have much room to do like add really much of anything to the situation. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with you. I mean, obviously, I mean, I said it first, but you know what I mean? Now I'm obviously with you there. Yeah. And the last one here, I have one more under to go. I, I'm going to go with another under here for the same sort of reasoning that I had with the uh, Nets. I'm going to take the Clippers under 52 and a half wins. I know they're getting Kawhi back. I know that they'll have a healthier Paul George, but again, load management. They are not going to play Kawhi back to backs. They're not going to do them three out of four nights. You're not going to see a lot of Paul George like doing the same thing because he's coming off his injury as well. I like the team. I think it's, again, the same spot as Brooklyn. I have a higher win total to clear as well where I have to, you know, get over 53 wins to win this bet To win this bet if I'm taking the overside. I, I could see them saying, you know what? We're fine with 50 wins and we're the four seed and we'll just win our way through in the, in the playoffs. So I'm going to take it under the Clippers. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. But do you know... How unbelievably, incredibly deep the Clippers are this season. I do know. I do know that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I've seen a team like this possibly ever, where they're like eleventh best player is Robert Covington. Yeah, it's it's crazy how deep they are. I don't think I've ever seen a team this deep before in the NBA. But so maybe the load management won't impact them as much. But at the same time, you're throwing out a starting lineup of Robert Covington and Nick Batum and. Norman Powell, I, you're not really going to be a 53-win team, are you? So no, I think it's like a fifth. I think I said, they, I think they hate, they're fine hitting 50, and as long as they get up else, they're healthy. I guess all they care about, because I think this yeah, is... Yeah, it's a, it's a good play. It's a good play. I think a similar team to that is Golden State, where I think they really pack it in, but I did not take that one. Yeah, I also thought about the Celtics, because they're in the chaos of the coach and what's going on with that situation, but I just felt like this team is too talented. I thought they'll find a way to win regardless. I didn't want to stay away from that number. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I I like I like your picks. I think you like my picks. I don't think we have any disagreements here. Just we'll see what happens. Yeah, you had both of your uh, unders on were the ones I I had on my board, so I was definitely in agreement on those. I think you liked that Detroit pick. You thought it was flashy. Yeah, I I did like that pick. I thought about it. I had it a little lower on my list, but I did I did have it under consideration. Yeah, but to I guess recap my picks. I have Milwaukee and over. I have Detroit as an over. I had the Lakers and the Bulls as an under. Yep, so reset here. Nick has the Bucks over 52 and a half wins, the Lakers under 45 and a half wins, the Pistons over 29 and a half wins, and the Bulls under 41 and a half wins. My picks, I have the Denver Nuggets over 49 and a half wins, the Nets under 50 and a half, the Knicks over 30 and a half. So I get both New York teams in here. I have the Clippers under 52 and a half. Those are your NBA over-unders. It's going to be a long time before we get to these because the season goes about mid-April, so... Long term, long term play here, both of us. Yeah, catch you in a while. Another one I had on my radar did not check. I, everyone that was on my radar, we had talked about already, but except these two, actually, I I liked the over for New Orleans and the over for Philadelphia. Yep, but didn't take them. Yeah, I think I had two more overs I had on the board. I do. I had the Timberwolves over as forty eight and a half. I think that this team is motivated to do. I think that adding Gobert that team makes a huge difference because it lets Carl Anthony Towns play more. Freely at the four, I think it's going to make a huge difference to that squad. I always think Atlanta were 45 and a half. I think I like that one too. I feel like the Hawks like had the off year last year. Now they're going to sort of get themselves back on track. Yeah, it really, if you look at the list, if you're looking at the same list I am, it shows you the list in order from the Celtics at the top to the Spurs on the bottom. Every team above the Lakers, I'm very high on. Every team below the Lakers, except the Pelicans, pretty much. I'm very low on, and of course, like the Pistons, I said as well, but like, it really is crazy how it can't be right because yeah. there's no way that the Hawks and the Cavs and the Timberwolves and the Heat and the Mavericks and the Grizzlies and the Nuggets and Nets, Sixers, Warriors, Clippers, Suns, Bucks that all have good seasons. Yeah. Someone has to have a bad season. 
Yeah. There's not enough wins to go around. Yeah, there definitely is in here. So I do want to thank you for coming on here. And this will, people like we hear from us. So check out what's going on with the sky. Guys, we got a fun season Andor going on right now. Very fun season. Uh, we're enjoying a nice, a night, a lot of, a lot of success with the Andor episodes. People seem to be really enjoying them. So if you want us, Come to uh, Sky Guys Podcast. I don't know if Mike can have a link or something in the description or the videos or or something with, you can follow the anchor page. There'll be some sort of link, but we definitely would enjoy having people listen to the Sky Guys Podcast. I think they'll enjoy it too. Yeah, we're recording a four, recording this a week in advance. It's going to be out on, on the on the feed, I think the first prior to, the, just prior to the NBA season. Your brother Phil Friday is joining us here for episode, for episode six coming up here. So that's going to be the, Latest Sky is episode in the podcast feed for you to check out if you're so inclined. Yeah, it should be a good time. I'm excited to, uh, really excited to listen to it with everybody. Yeah, I'm excited to go. We're finally going to see this heist this week. So we're going to see how that, see how that went. Yeah, it looks like these three episode arcs. This is episode six coming up. So it should be the, you know, the quote unquote finale of the arc. So it should be an exciting thing. Absolutely, here and Nick. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate. It. Before I let you go, be a follow social media. Keep up some of the stuff you're doing. Uh, at Nick Fryer underscore nine, retweeting a lot of this stuff, Sky Guy stuff. So keep your eyes open there. Absolutely, Nick. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Mike. The two minute drill. All right, two minute drill time, and don't look now, but New York football is back, baby. We've gotten used to some truly garbage, god-awful, crappy football in this town, both the Jets and the Giants, being largely relevant for a decade. I mean, since the Giants won the second Super Bowl with the Patriots, they've been in the playoffs once. The Jets have not been in the playoffs since they lost to the Steelers in the 2010 AFC Championship game. Both teams are positioned right now to have very exciting years. Let's start with the Giants. You picked up another excellent, excellent win on Sunday. They rallied to beat the Ravens 24-20 at home to improve to 5-1 and on the year. It's already exceeded their wins all from a year ago when Joe Judge was kneeling down to try and avoid uh, forcing his to do anything. The last two weeks, wins over the Packers and the Ravens, who nobody thought the Giants could beat prior to the season. I mean, you look at that schedule and say, okay, loss, loss. Both these involved huge comebacks. I mean, the Giants arrived from 20 to 10 down on Sunday. They forced two turnovers by Lamar Jackson late in the game, the interception, then the strip sack fumble. And they are sitting 5-1, one game behind the undefeated Eagles in first place in the NFC East. And the schedule, very, very favorable for the Giants over the next few weeks. They Next four games here. At Jacksonville, a 2-4 and four team that has been struggling for weeks. At Seattle, pesky team, but beatable. The bye. This is well-timed after, after eight games. Then they host the Texans, and they host the Lions. You can easily see 3-1 that stretch. And you do that, you're 8-2. Heading into Thanksgiving against the Cowboys for the rematch of the game they beat you week three. And I know there's still two Eagle games left on the stretch. You also got two of the commanders who are not very good. They're the game against the Colts. I mean, the Giants could very easily be a playoff team here. And you give a ton of credit to this coaching staff, which has got a ton out of this roster. That's not nearly as talented as some of the teams they're playing. There is a strong likelihood that the Giants do make the playoffs here, which nobody could imagine at the start of the year. A lot of people said, okay, schedule's soft enough. You know, maybe they beat the total. They win seven games, and they're going ahead, and they're going to have to trade for the quarterback they want. But they're likely going to January. They have done a lot of exciting things. They are a power-running team. They're a very good defensive team. Brian Dable's gotten the most out of his talent. The fans have got to be pumped right now. Who else is also pumped right now? The Jet fans. The Jets are playing very well. They're 4-2 and two on the year. They had their state victory on Sunday. They go on the road, beat the Packers 27-10 at Lambeau Field. And I remember prior to this season, I listened to JJ's New York, New York podcast. Adam Shine goes on with John Dostremski. He says, the Jets will be 0-7 after the start of the year. He says, I don't see the talent. I look at the schedule and say, who are they beating? Right now, they're 4-2. Three wins on the road. 3-0 with Zach Wilson under center. Because don't forget, Joe Flacco saw those first three games that Wilson was coming back for the injury. There's been some good coaching from the Jets staff. Not nearly as good as the Giant coaching. Giant coaching has been much better. The talent, though, is just flowing all over this Jets roster. The skills and players have been outstanding. I mean, this 2022 draft class has been electric. Garrett Wilson is an impact. Brees Hall looks like a superstar. Elijah Vera Tucker from last year's class. I mean, he's been playing 
all over the line. He's played right guard. He played left tackle for a week. He's played right tackle the last two weeks. He's played all pro level across those positions. Sauce Gardner has been a shutdown corner the moment he arrived. Teams could not throw at him. The pickups have been good. They have been outstanding. They have matched their 2020 win total. They're four and 56 games. They went four and 13 last season. They're in prime position to contend for the playoffs too. They're also a fun team to watch, which is shocking. You say the little not two weeks in the past few years. I mean, there are a lot of times you watch the Jets the last three, four years and say, it's not the same sport that the Bills and the Chiefs and the Packers and the Rams are playing. Now they're playing the same sport and they're beating some of these teams. The upcoming schedule is also tricky, but it's manageable for the Jets. They had Denver this week. It's a tricky game because obviously the altitude of the Denver defense, but Russell Wilson's a mess. He's dealing with multiple injuries now. That's a game the Jets can win. I think if they lose it, you you can't blame them. They picked up the big win at Lambeau. It's one they can definitely get. You have New England coming to MetLife October 30th. That game will be electric. This is the first home game, I think, since the Packer game because they'll be on the road again. That's going to be a massive environment. You also look ahead to this second half of the Jets schedule. They got the Bears coming up. They got the Lions coming up at home. They have the Jaguars at home. They go to Seattle late in the year. You win those four games with the four you have already. That's eight. You steal a couple more. You're looking at a playoff team here because you win 10 games this year if they can get in. This is fantastic for New York football fans who by this time of the year are usually looking at the mock drafts and going, what quarterbacks are there? What are we going to do with our picks? Should we trade up? Should we trade down? Now you can look at the games as meaningful games with big playoff stakes, which is a lot of fun and a huge step in the right direction for both these teams. With that, I want to end the first show of the week. I want to thank my guest Dan Federico for coming out here, recapping the Yankees ALDS win, get ready for the ALCS against Houston. Also, Nick Freya doing the NBA over-unders. A lot of fun stuff there. We're going to this podcast. going to look at why I don't think the playoff four is not just needs to be overhauled. I think it's fine as it is. I think there's some issues going to be corrected over next year with the normal normal calendar. Check out the blog over at justonthesuffering.wordpress.com. There's like the Sky Guys podcast. Episode 6 of Andor is out. That's in, our, in the fees right now. Episode 7 coming this week. We are passing the halfway point on Andor. Hop on board the Sky Guys podcast. You want those? Day after we record, I always got to wait a couple of days in this feed. So, again, you let the Sky Guys stuff to subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. Excuse me. And that will do it for this week's show, first show of the week. Coming up next, we're going to go to more NBA stuff. The season underway. We'll talk about that. Do some NFL picks and more. We have a better week than Mariners fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.